0: And now, here is Doreen.
1: Hi, I'm Dr. Doreen Downey, and I host the Find Your Voice, Change Your Life podcast. I'm a psychologist. I've always been curious about how people get to be who they are and what blocks them. And oftentimes, I go pretty deep inside to find out, well, what were those first experiences saying hello to the world and did the world say hello back to you in a warm and welcoming way. Today, I get to interview a guest who has his own story about being pretty successful in life. Probably as a lawyer, he could stand up and speak without fear, but he's going to tell us a little bit more about what that experience was like. And how come he didn't feel truly connected to his real voice? And I'd like to wel- welcome today, Carl Fix.
2: Thank you so much, Dr. Doreen, for having me today. I'm excited to be here and I'm grateful uh, that you have invited me.
1: Oh, wonderful. You sent in a little bio, so I always like to read that before we get started so people get a sense of who you are and what you're doing right now. Okay. Okay. Carl? Guess what? <laughs> that, that's who we are, busy professionals. But it starts out Carl Fix helps busy professionals get back in the fitness game so they can thrive. His Fix system is a proven roadmap for endurance athletes and weekend warriors alike. His bi weekly newspaper column and LinkedIn post, both titled The Friday Fix. No, that's called The Friday Fix but I guess that's a play on words, huh? Yes, it is. (laughs) The Friday Fix will provide strategies, tools, and inspiration to stay resourceful and resilient regardless of the circumstance. And as I mentioned before, Carl was also a trial lawyer for 30-plus years before starting No Surrender. I guess that's the name of your business, No Surrender LLC. Oh, Well, I'm ready to listen to you and to listen out, whatever it is that you want to share today about first not having a voice. I always like to start there first and then we'll have a conversation as it goes. Sure.
2: Well, thank you for that intro. I I appreciate it. I am a bit of a paradox uh, up until a short time ago in that I was a, air quotes, quiet lawyer. uh, And I know the legal profession doesn't always enjoy the greatest reputation. Uh, A lot of people in the profession are known as hired guns, uh, mouthpieces, whatever pejorative phrase you want to use. I came at it from a bit of a different angle. So I was indeed a quiet lawyer and I allowed um, written advocacy to do a lot of the work, but I, I was vocal in the courtroom, but not in the courtroom. And, um, That really stemmed from I was just a quiet child. And that's kind of how I grew up as a quiet person listening more than talking.
1: Oh, that's uh, so fascinating that somebody who grows up as or has an early origin as being quiet then picks a profession where he pretty much is required to stand up and speak. But let's go back to early. It's always so fascinating to hear a little bit about your childhood and what order you were in the birth order and what your parents were like and just that early environment where we first come in and say, who am I? Or we learn about who am I by the way people treat us.
2: Well, uh, birth order, I am the middle child. I have an older sister and a younger brother. Uh, My parents were both very soft-spoken My father, uh, in fact, lived by the written word. That was his profession. He was in World War II. And then when he came out, he was in various positions. Uh, He was a a press secretary for a governor in Connecticut. He worked for a publishing company. And he was a public relations officer for a state agency in Connecticut. And that involved a lot of writing. And I picked that up from my dad. But he was also very soft-spoken, very quiet, like my mother. And just the middle child, I kind of sat back and observed what was going on. It wasn't chaos, but I just I got more out of life kind of looking and listening and watching. And uh that's just kind of the way I rolled. And in high school, you remember under the photograph, there's always that pithy quote. Uh people may quote A Blinken, FDR, whoever rock lyrics. My quote in high school was, sometimes you must be silent to be heard. That was my quote. I don't know where I found it. I got out of high school in 1981. It was a long time ago. But at the time, as a 17-year-old kid, that, to me, best summed up my life at that early age, that I thought my, I was being heard by my silence. And that's why I chose that quote.
1: My goodness, I, that's so amazing because just today on social media, I posted a quote something similar. I don't know who it was by either, but it is about the silence within is where our strength truly is, so that we can be out in the world. And if we are not true to that deep stillness inside, it feels like we aren't able to communicate as effectively. So, This is already I'm drawn into your story because it's not one of trauma. It's not one of being uh, not heard. It's just a way that you came in naturally into this world with a probably, Carl, it feels like a gift, a gift of listening. And I think you and I are similar in that way with me being a psychologist, finally, you know, coming, coming into a profession where you really had to be present and listen to somebody. And I imagine that's what you had to do in in your early career.
2: Uh, Agree. And I think uh, the ability to listen is a gift, but also I think the act of listening is a gift to the person that's speaking to you because uh, you really, again, you need to be present as you say. And uh, I have a favorite Latin saying. I don't speak a lot of Latin, even though I took Latin and I practiced law. But there's a saying that I've always shared with my daughters, especially "audi alterum partem." It's an Augustinian phrase. It's listen to the other side. And if you are not listening to the other side, you, in fact, in my humble opinion, are not having a conversation. You just have people screaming at each other, and nobody's listening. And I think you know the phrase "active listening" is very popular, uh, and I agree with it. But I, I just love the. Listen to the other side because then you can have a conversation. And uh, those are really, really important skills. I'd say one of the top three complaints about lawyers is that they are not listening. Uh, No matter where I went during my career, somebody would have an axe to grind with a lawyer and they'd always want to tell me what their complaint was, which was fine. But chief among the complaints is he or she never listened, he or she never called me back he or she doesn't understand me. And I think a lot of that calling back And an easy, it's a ministerial act, but um, not understanding or not listening, those, those take a little more effort.
1: Yes. And what you're saying also, I think, points to the fact of speaking. And if you're going to be in a conversation communicating with somebody, it feels like the kind of listening you're talking to, then has uh, an effect on what you say, how you say it, the speaking, in other words, your voice that comes out. And I know that a lot of, uh, I used to teach at UC Berkeley, um, active listening. (laughs) And I have been blessed to find even a deeper kind of listening. (laughs) Active listening was more about the words. And I think that there's a sensitivity we as listeners can develop which is tuning in to where the words come from inside of somebody and, and I bet you as a lawyer were able to say, "hmm that's not true because <laughs> you could feel it or sense it.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that um, and and it's just I can tell you that during practice well during the practice of law, I went to many mediations and a very very good mediator, this one of the skills of a mediator is listening. And a very skilled mediator at the outset of the mediation would allow the person who believes they are aggrieved to just tell the room what was on their mind. And after that happened, it was liberating for that person who felt aggrieved that people were finally listening to her uh, or him. And then, and only then, could we make some progress on perhaps resolving the case. So whenever I went in, many times you could choose a mediator, but Sometimes we mediated cases and you didn't get to choose the mediator. And when I went in and the mediator immediately looked at the person who had filed the lawsuit and said, so tell me your story. I knew, okay, we're going to do some business today. This is a great way to start, as opposed to allowing the lawyers to start the fisticuffs, the verbal fisticuffs across the table. That that was, in fact, a non-starter. It had a great chilling effect. Because... At the end of the day, people simply want to be heard. They want to know that people are listening, and it's just so important and seemingly absent from a lot of the discourse today.
1: Absolutely. I love your word liberated and how a person who's being able to tell and gives faith for a story in a receptive, you know, receptive listener's that they feel liberated. I think that message to people today is really, really important. What you're saying is the quality of listening. If you're interested in having a real conversation is pretty important.
2: Yes. And um, it's also, again, a sign of respect because um, again,
1: people can
2: disagree again, that seems to be lost in a lot of the discourse today, but um, people can disagree, and they can respectfully disagree and at the end of the day still perhaps enjoy each other's each, each other's company. I was very mindful during my career to respect adverse witnesses um, because they 're just doing what they think is right, and i 'm just doing what I think is right and and advocating or representing my client within the bounds within the ethical bounds but you can still, even though the word adverse is is in the mix, you can still respect that person. And I found that I was able to do a lot more business and, in fact, better represent my clients when I was more respectful or res- respectful of my adversary.
1: Mm, what a, that's uh, pretty wise there, Mr. Fix. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. It, uh, it, it was, well, sometimes, you know, um, there, there was no room for that, but Uh we don't need to talk about that.
1: (laughs) What What I like hearing is that it was genuine and it wasn't necessarily a strategy that you were saying, okay, in order to win this, I have to go listen to the other person and give them respect, uh, the adversaries, but you really, it's a belief and you thought that this serves your clients better.
2: Yeah, and I and I will tell you, I learned a lot from my parents, just the way they carried themselves and the way they conducted business, um, air quotes around business, but um they just they got their point across, they weren't verbose. You knew exactly where they stood. And um I just I learned a lot from them, and that's how I tried to conduct myself in the in the legal uh profession.
1: Good. well, in uh, earlier when we had a conversation and what you already revealed to me is that you were speaking using your voice speaking up for your clients yes and and there's a difference between finding the voice and there was some kind of shift some kind of change some some kind of realization tell us about that that part of your life
2: well uh again I represented my clients within, we are bound by the rules of professional conduct. And one of the rules is you zealously represent your clients. And that's what I did, advocating their position, and which I adopted because I was their advocate. Uh, did I always agree with it? As a person, I may or may not have, but yet, because you are representing that person, so long as it's eth- ethical and honorable... You can argue whatever that position was. Uh, but I never engaged in any hyperbole outside of really the courtroom or the four corners of a document that I filed in court. I was not a lawyer who stood on the courthouse steps, uh, spouting pithy quotes and rattling the saber. It's, it's not, it was not my personality. It was not my style. And frankly, I, I always found, I think at times it does a disservice to the client you're advocating for the client, and therefore you've got to take a position uh, in their best interest. So it wasn't always Carl Fix talking, it was Carl Fix, the lawyer, Carl Fix counsel for blank, fill in the blank with client X. So um, I just, there's that saying, keeping your powder dry. I kept my personal powder dry. Uh, And then when I pivoted out of the law last year. I decided to change that up a little and and start um, speaking out, not rebelliously, but uh, there's a few things I had on my mind that I wanted to share with the world, and that's what I've been doing.
1: Oh, good. I want to hear more about that. <laughs> but first, before the, what it is that you've wanted to tell the world, you you came to realize something about the business you were in and had to, you know, as you say, pivot. And so that, can you tell us just a little bit more about that? You know, sure. You
2: I, I thoroughly enjoyed the practice of law. It's a noble profession. Uh, it served me well until it didn't. And then I decided to pivot uh, because I was fully engaged in the practice. And you really can't you can't cheat. And uh, I, again, I don't say that pejoratively, but you can't cut quarters, corners in the practice of law. Uh, there are some that do. I chose not to. Uh, and then the bloom kind of came off the rose after many, many years. I passed the bar in 88. So I started thinking about what I could do in service to others because I've always been in service to others. It's just, it's the one of my mindsets. And I thought, how best could I Reach those that are still in the profession and in other professions, and share some things that have worked for me or worked for me during my career. So I I did some soul searching. I I mixed some metaphorical paints on a palette, and um, I founded a company named No Surrender, where I'm helping busy professionals and thrive with fitness. So I think I am. I'm very passionate about it, and I'm reaching more people because the the profession is at a kind of a tipping point now. Uh, there's a there's a mental health issue not only in society but also in the legal profession that needs to be addressed, and uh, exercise helps. That bottom line.
1: Yes, uh, what a fascinating name! No surrender. Where did that come from?
2: I will tell you that came from uh, my experience riding to law school on the city bus in Washington, D.C. I did not have a car my first two years of law school. I took the city bus, Born in the USA by Bruce Springsteen, had just come out. I had the ubiquitous Walkman. And I played that Born in the USA tape on the Walkman to and from the law school. And No Surrender is a track on that uh, album. And that, that song just resonated with me. And I've loved it since it came out. And when I founded this company, I wanted to pay homage to one of the things that got me to where I was. Because there were days, Dr. Toreen, where I wanted to quit. And I had Springsteen looping in my head telling me, no surrender. That's where it came from.
1: Oh, I'm so glad I asked. I'm really really touched by that story. And it also, who's ever listening, I think will say, oh, yeah. (laughs) And it's uh, inspirational. Thank you. Yeah,
2: I mean again, it was it was it was a tough slog, law school's not for the faint of heart and it was I found it hard, uh which is I guess a good thing. Uh but again, there were I don't want to say dark days, that's being dramatic, but there were some days on the bus where I thought, what a, what am I doing? You know, am I ever going to get out of this forest that I'm trapped in? And mm-hmm. uh you know, while my friends from college are off earning money, they're they're earning a wage and they're having some fun and um at the time it was a bit of a little pity party, but I got over that. Um, but again, in 2021, I thought back, wow, what would be a good name for this company? And uh it's a bit of a double entendre. I mean, there's the no surrender, it's not a macho fitness thing either. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's really again the the Springsteen uh nod.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So since we're moving forward here. Tell us a little bit about this business that you do and your belief in whatever it is, full fitness.
2: Well, I, I just think uh, it's a cornerstone success principle in business uh, that a, a little fitness and exercise will keep you uh, in, in the game. Um, you are an asset. You are in service to others, and you need to protect that asset. And if you think about financial planning, we all try to keep our financial house in order. And the financial planning is designed perhaps for succession planning or to keep money legally away from creditors. So translate that. What, what is a creditor in your personal life? Well, it's, it's a disease or it's illness. Uh, it's a comorbidity. Why wouldn't you want to protect the asset you against those creditors that could attack you? So, uh if you, as a person in service to others, are not upwards, you're not vertical, you're not healthy, the dominoes fall. If you think of the communities that you serve, you may have a a partner, either domestic or business, you may have a spouse, you may have children, you may have elder care issues you've got you're in service to your community, it could be church, a church group it could be a not for profit uh, all of these employees um colleagues, clients, customers, all of these people are, in a way, reliant upon you because you are in service to them. And if you're offline, that's problematic. So uh, it's all about you being able to show up and, in fact, be in service to others. Mm.
1: That's a, a brilliant message. We are the most important important asset to our business. And we need to protect ourselves. And one of the ways that you offer is this message about fitness. And so I get the sense that you aren't trying to because you said in the intro that it's not about being an elite athlete, we don't have to do that. But uh, those of us who are weekend warriors, (laughs) say a little bit more about that, because that's what I am
2: yeah, I'm just a big fan of people moving in in mm-hmm. whatever way, shape, or form that takes. Uh, it, it, there's demonstrable evidence of the link between exercise and mental health and how it it uh, it lifts you up uh, and it makes you, in fact, more resilient to handle things that come at you. Uh, folks are talking about the great resignation. I think this is kind of the great reckoning this this pandemic should open people's eyes to uh, perhaps we can focus more on people's health to make them more resilient and perhaps la- perhaps less um, exposed to the next pandemic. We saw, and again, this is, I, I don't speak as a professional, but we saw anecdotally folks with comorbidities had, had some real issues. If you look at the numbers with the pandemic, if if exercise helps take some of those comorbidities off the table, that's a good thing. Um so again I'm all for exercise and movement um in my program I have a slide deck which I tweak here and there but I just did a presentation the other day and I had a screenshot of uh I was on a layover at Baltimore Washington International Airport BWI and they have a cardio walk uh and I took a picture of that the last time I was there it's got a person walking with an arrow and it said 1k 1 kilometer equals 20 minutes. So it's just pointing you if you're in a layover, where you can walk in the terminal. And so there's some downtime there that people in lieu of sitting around and eating pretzels from Aunt Annie's, even though those are very good, uh, they could get up and walk around a little. And again, I'm not talking about doing the uh, Ironman triathlon in Hawaii. Uh, Mm -hmm. This is just movement, get more people moving, moving a less sedentary lifestyle.
1: And I think that's what people can take, especially from you who's traveled through this universe and has had lots of learning. And we're talking about voice today. And this is where your voice is ringing out loud and clear because it's from your heart, it's from your life, it's from your gut, it's from you know your exposure to Bruce Springsteen. And no surrender feels like, hey, folks. And I love that it's just just move. Just move. Right,
2: and and what I'm doing, uh, you mentioned at the outset the Friday fix, and that's that's something that I've I've been doing uh, every Friday on LinkedIn, and then I I do publish um, twice a month in a local newspaper. But these are little anecdotes that I share of of my life, lessons that I've learned or that might be helpful. I take, um, I I come from the school of never tell a story without a point, never make a point without a story. I try to I and I try to stay true to that. But I also desperately try to stay positive. And the genesis of the Friday Fix was this avalanche of apocalyptic news that we are faced with daily. Uh, It's almost my Occupy Wall Street. It's my little flag in the sand, like, well, wait a minute. There are a lot of people doing a lot of good things out there. So why don't we talk about that? And why don't we lift people up instead of bringing them down? So the, the intent of the Friday fix is, is to just give a little dose of perhaps inspiration um, that might get people up and moving around. I share what, some things that have worked for me, some that I fell flat on my face, but that's the learning process. But it's really designed to be inspirational and not negative because I got really tired of this apocalyptic news cycle, as I said a moment ago. Enough is enough. There's, there's, there are a lot of good things and a lot of good people uh, out there. So let's let's talk about that.
1: Yeah, you you always come up with something that I want to go yes to. Like enough is enough. And I I have been reading every Friday and I definitely look forward to it because your writing style, whether it came from your father or your natural writer, but it is really well done. I mean, to me, it feels like. What people teach in storytelling is how to tell a story in which you feel like you can't put the the book down. So uh,
2: yeah, and I, and I've enjoyed it. Uh, again, I'm just I I think you can deliver a message in uh you don't have to pump out a 3,500 word essay. I mean, those are good if you want to write a scholarly article, but. Um, something a little more than a soundbite. We do, unfortunately, live in a soundbite world. Something with a little meat on the bone, but not uh, so much that people, you know, I want to stop the scroll. That's what I want to do. Just stop for a minute. This is a one minute read and you might get something out of it. And I'll tell you, it's resonating with people. Uh, I I get some neat comments and I don't do it for the comments. Those are very gratifying. I mean, it's a little ego tug but I don't really do it for that. I just, it's nice to see. And I'm glad it's resonating with folks um, because we've, the last two years have been tough. We all know that. I I don't want to be captain obvious here, but uh, it's been a tough time. So I think uh, using my voice uh, to help lift folks up and not knock them down uh, means a lot to me.
1: Thank you. Well, how do people find you other than LinkedIn? Uh,
2: My website is carlfix.com, C-A-R-L-F-I-C-K-S.com. And uh, my email is carl at carlfix.com. And I'm on LinkedIn and Facebook, and I'd love to connect with anybody in your audience. It's been uh, a great experience, and I look forward to making it a greater one.
1: Yes. Well, you certainly are a contribution. You inspire me every Friday. And any other kinds of uh, posts and conversations we can engage in going forward, I always—I mean, people who have listened today can say, "Wow, the way that you use words is something that I feel is a, a voice that has not just, um, you know, articulation, but I like where the where your voice comes from, your heart." So, thank you very much. thank, uh, th- you.
2: Th- thank you, thank you very much. It's been a, a pleasure and. Uh, I appreciate your time and having me here.
0: Thank you for being with us today for this episode of Find Your Voice, Change Your Life. Each person Doreen interviews shares what has helped them find their voice. You can learn from these guests and find your voice so you can be confident to speak up and speak out. And remember to download Doreen's free seven-step guide to fearless speaking at doreen 7 We hope you enjoyed the show and will return next time. Until then, goodbye for now.